Well, this morning, I've titled the sermon, Virus, Vaccine, and Victory. Cheap pandering, I get it. But if we're not speaking to where the world forces us, the challenges in life, then we're really not unlocking the value of what Scripture is. We're really not seeing how God Himself is concerned with who we are and how we suffer and the fears that are thrown on us and how He can mitigate those fears. So, as I start out this morning, you know, there's a funny thing about uh, a pandemic. It reveals what you value most. And so this morning I want to show you real quickly what we seemingly value most. And it's this idea of toilet paper. Uh, I, we're actually past the toilet paper problem here. And, and, but yet I, I need to refer back to it a little bit because it's challenging in the sense of why were we so obsessed with this? And so as we look at this, we have this national shame, but it actually gives me hope. It shows me that there is a deep-seated, no pun intended, a deep-seated need by our society to wipe away the junk in our lives. And this morning, there was a theme that ran in my head as I, um, as I rose. And it was a, it's a lyric from a song that we sing, a worship song. And the end statement is, A cross meant to kill is my victory. A cross meant to kill is my victory. Let's start with the idea of a virus, since that's on all of our minds, and since that's something that is dominating uh, the radio waves, it's dominating um, everything we do, uh, everything we hear. And as we move forward with that this morning, uh, I, I want to look at an individual that's really not part of the resurrection story. His name was Saul, and that was his Hebrew name, after he met Jesus, he took the Greek name, Paul. And as we look at this life of Paul, he's going to be our hero. He's going to be our patient zero. Here we have some of the, uh, we have some of the uh, pictures of the toilet, toilet paper fiasco. I love this meme. Apparently this is how people are protecting themselves from coronavirus. Uh, we've made a big joke about it, but at the same time, it's... It, it reflects where we have fear in our society. Brothers and sisters, my challenge to us is that there's more than just this virus going on. When we look at the idea of viruses, let me give you this statement that our patient zero today, Paul, has in his assessment of the virus. First of all, let me start by reading John 20, 1 through 10. And you can, you can join in if you want. Uh, it's the account of the resurrection. On the screen I have verses 6 through 10, but you can turn to your scriptures and we're going to read uh, John 1 through 10. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, 
the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw that the linen cloths were lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, and this is important, listen carefully, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes the challenge that we have this morning is the same that John and Peter experienced running to the tomb that morning. Early in the morning, being told that Jesus' body was missing. They couldn't believe it. Yet it had been predicted. It had been foretold by Christ Himself, and it had been foretold in the Scriptures. And yet, by the account written here, by John himself, he says they did not understand. We're in the midst of a series right now called The Misunderstood God. And I have this spyglass here on my right. We started talking about how this relates to our challenge of misunderstanding God. There are many around us, and maybe some viewing even today, that we've been disappointed in God. We have been disillusioned with God. God failed us. God let us down. Or maybe we think that, that God is only for those who are weak and feeble and can't take care of themselves. It is amazing that when a virus hits those who are strong, they find out how susceptible they are and how out of control they are. But yet God gives us His grace and gives us the opportunity to thrive and our response to that often is to forget that God is on the large end of the spyglass and I am on the small end. This is a proper perspective, but when we misunderstand God, it's because we put our agenda, our focal points, our preferences first. We play God and then we try to form God into the small end of the microscope. Now you notice I didn't say telescope or spyglass. Because in a microscope, how much can I see a large God and understand a large God, one capable of raising Jesus from the dead, saving mankind from the virus of sin? How can I understand Him if I'm looking through like a microscope? I need this to be like this to truly understand God. We'll get back to that in a little bit. Well, let's get back to patient zero this morning. I told you that we're going to look at this a little bit differently when we're looking at the virus we're going to look at Paul and we're going to be in Romans this morning Romans 5 and many of you have heard the infamous Dr. Fauci over the past few few weeks everybody knows this guy's name he is the most popular man in the world right now the incredulous 
uh, uh, infamous Dr. Dr. Fauci, right? And this gentleman is the self-avowed expert. We are all leaning on him. He is a Messiah figure when it comes to this virus. What's fascinating is Dr. Fauci has told us, you may think you're not infected because you're asymptomatic. He's talked about those who have demonstrated symptoms, right? And one of the recent things I've heard is that if you have the virus, one of the first indicators is you lose smell and you lose taste. So if this morning you did not taste those eggs, you did not taste that, uh, that double-sized Big Mac that you had for breakfast, that's, an, that's a sin, by the way. You, shouldn't, you need to repent of that. Then you may want to go get tested. But Dr. Fauci tells us that it's not enough to say, okay, I don't have the virus because I don't have these symptoms. The warning has been clear. We've heard it, all of us, that there are many who are quote-unquote asymptomatic and they think they're fine, but in fact they carry the virus and there are repercussions to that as well. Here is what I would propose and here is what patient zero out of Scripture tells us. Paul he says, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It's an incredible statement because, in fact, with Corona, we had a patient zero somewhere. Right? And, and we've been tracing it back. We get enamored with how did all of this start? And why is the world suffering because of this one person? If we could have just stopped it, if, if we didn't see whatever caused this, if we had taken the precautions, then the world wouldn't be going through this incredible suffering. Do you realize the parallels to our soul? And yet so many of us want to deny that sin, the virus of sin, there it is, that the virus of sin exists, and yet patient zero here, Paul tells us in Romans 5 that through the one man's disobedience, the many, meaning us, were made sinners. We are all infected. We are all infected. Now you may be saying, well, wait a minute, I think I'm, I'm a pretty good person, or, or my grandma is a really good person. My daughter was up on this stage, and I know Nancy's listening right now, and she is the best, we call her Saint Nancy. And uh, she happens, I, when I talk about my in-laws, it, it is Princess Grace marries Walter Matthau. And, uh, and so Bill, uh, my father-in-law, you may think he would bristle at that. He would not. He would embrace that moniker fully. Uh, but, but, but Grandma is this saint. And she would be the first one to tell you that she struggles with sin. All of us struggle with sin. And one sin, just one sin, this sin of Adam, the one man, condemned man with this virus of sin. Therefore, we're separated from God. Paul, patient zero, struggled with this idea and he had his own approach. We'll look at that in a minute. Let's go to Romans 5, 6-11. through 11. And so Paul says this to give us some deeper instructions. Now understand, that this is an individual that learned the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came to understand it by personal contact and connection to the disciples. 
He persecuted the church early on because the virus had built up such a a contempt for the church and for Jesus Christ that he was willing to kill people systematically. As a matter of fact, so much so that he was on his way up to Damascus to persecute the church, throw them in jail, or kill them. This was his desire. This is how sick he was with sin. And yet, patient zero tells us and shares with us today as the witness. How many of you have loved the stories by individuals who have been on the news recently who have recovered? And they've talked about that journey and they've talked about how valuable life is to them now. This is what it means to come into faith in Jesus Christ. This is what it means to understand the resurrection. This is what it means to rise. This is what it means to have victory. A cross meant to kill is Paul's victory. It is our victory. And so here in Romans, he's writing to a group of believers and Jews, and he's saying you need to understand as one who had the expertise in how to make the Dr. Fauci of his time, how to deal with the virus, I was wrong. I was attempting to simply mask the virus of sin. Many of us have gone and gotten masks this week. My question to you is, would that be enough? If you were offered a vaccine or a mask, would you not consider it foolishness just to hold on to the mask and to negate the vaccine? This is what Paul is saying. Is it early in his life as patient zero, he just held on to the mask. He thought that was enough. He thought that would be all that he would have to do in dealing with the virus of sin. And yet, he came to realize because of an encounter on that Damascus road, what the true vaccine is. And once he had tasted, once he had been um, healed by that vaccine, he is now sharing as an eyewitness how that changed his life. How he now looks at the idea of sin and death and life. And this morning as we look at this challenge in our society of this pandemic, brothers and sisters, I I implore you, understand that, that we have this virus. Our souls have a virus. And we haven't been paying attention. We haven't been paying attention. So Paul goes on after quoting the first part in verse 12. He goes on, let me re- refer back to what he said heading into this idea that through one man, sin entered into the world. And through one man, the vaccine came. Or the healing came. So verse 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, 
now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Amen. What do we take from that? Well, while we were still weak, this is one of the, this is one of the masking problems that we have in uh, so many people that I talk with about Jesus Christ, that they masked their need to address the virus of sin in their soul. They think a mask is enough. When truly we need a vaccine for our soul and we are therefore weak. And, and the, the, the argument that I hear so often is that religion is for the weak. I am in control. I have the power to take care of myself. There are many people who said that recently. I think it was two weeks ago. There was a 30-year-old softball or baseball coach on the East Coast that contracted corona. And we had been told at that time this was primarily affecting only the elderly um, or those who had preconditions. No preconditions with this gentleman. He was an athlete. He was healthy. He was 30 years old. He was symptomatic, so he went to the hospital. And he leaned on the advice of people who made bad diagnosis. And they sent him home. And as I read the story, he died three days later. You may think you're strong. You may think you can take care of the virus of sin by yourself, but you can't. Only Jesus Christ can. And so from God's vantage point, right? Not mine, but God's vantage point, He says you are powerless against this virus. So I am going to send the vaccine. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying while we were weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ had to die for us in order to pay and, and satisfy fully the effects of sin. He says, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners. goes on and on about that would a man die for a, a righteous person? Yeah, maybe. Would a man die for a good person? Well, if they really think that they're good, maybe they'd be willing to do that. It's really heroic. But nobody's going to die for their enemy except Jesus Christ. Except Jesus Christ. What a heroic story. We love the stories that we're hearing about patients recovering from the virus what will we choose today as a treatment of our soul we have a vaccine but we have to look a little bit closely let's go back to uh, the story of the cross turn to luke if you will and let's look at the problem of having a misunderstanding of god and how that fits with bad assessment diagnosis or treatment of our spiritual condition and virus while i say that part of our challenge is again what you're going to see is this discussion between two thieves that were being crucified next to jesus christ one completely understood who jesus was saw him exactly for who he is in the moment of salvation being offered in the moment of the sacrifice itself Yet, the other person sitting right there next to him had a clear view as well, refused to see God how He is. One could completely see Jesus for who He is. The other couldn't. Brothers and sisters, the problem was not Jesus. Yet, we want to blame God for all of these difficulties 
tragedies, uh, travesties in our life. The problem is not with Jesus. The problem is not with God. The problem is not the vaccine. It's how we choose. It's how we choose. You know, it's fascinating. There is a stretch of the five freeway. Many of you may be familiar with it. Where I have failed miserably because I always forget what is the right treatment in order to survive this section of five. You see, as you're driving along, it's bad enough. The landscape is hideous out there. So sorry, uh, Avenal. Um, so sorry, Patterson. So sorry, you live in one of the ugliest places in all of California. So good on you for, for staying out there. But there is a place that starts to send you a warning of the hideousness that is to come. And if you're not paying attention, it sneaks up on you and it captivates you. And it is too late, my friends. It is too late. The city is called Kolinga. And Koalinga, I think, is Swedish for stinky poo cow. Alright? Because you have thousands of cattle out there and they are peeing and they are pooing and they are excrementing all over the ground non-stop. And that odor comes and hits you like a wall to the point where it ruins any appetite you had. It makes you never want to drive the 5 freeway again. And it makes you angry at all the other people in the car, apparently, because when I have done that and failed to hit the recirculation button, everybody in the car gets mad at me. And I fail. Now, they may say, why? why? How do you not smell that? Maybe I don't have a good sense of smell. Therefore, I'll go all uh, philosophical here. Since I don't smell it, it doesn't exist. Right? as my windshield begins to melt away from the stench, I can say, well, I don't smell it. It doesn't exist. Brothers and sisters, the same thing about Jesus is true. We have empirical, irrefutable evidence. Today we celebrate His resurrection, the only one to ever raise from the dead, and it was verified even... Now you may say it's self-serving because it's verified in Scripture, but I will share with you that nothing has transformed mankind like Jesus has. Nothing. And if there's no power in it, it cannot transform man. If there's no power in it, then you have a challenge that it would never survive. Let alone there are extra-biblical accounts in the Roman historians who talk about the resurrection and the church and their claim to the resurrection. But we want to deny that we have a virus. Just because I want to say my soul is good, I feel, I feel good enough. There really isn't a problem here. doesn't mean that that's true. And patient zero is telling us it's true. We have a soul sickness. But praise God, there's a vaccine. Amen? Let's move to that. Actually, let me go to the Luke passage real quickly to help you understand how this played out in real time. Luke 23 and verse 39. And again, this is the point of the crucifixion. And the, the thieves are being crucified with Him. And look at the perspective. 
how one completely understood Jesus for who he is, it had to do with understanding and reckoning who he was, the thief, as an individual and what he deserved, what they both deserved. And when you had the proper perspective there, when the spyglass was turned the correct way, there was a complete understanding of God. When the other thief, who was only concerned about himself by the testimony of the believing thief, he was God. He was God. And so let's look at how the story unfolds. Verse 39, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? You're going to die. You're going to die and you're still acting with pride. He says, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Again, the thief who understood who Jesus was understood himself first. He understood his sickness. He understood his virus. Then he could see Jesus clearly. And so he turns his attention to Jesus, verse 42, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. The ability to recognize Jesus, the misunderstanding of God, the questions I have for you as we move out of the idea of having a virus, and Paul, patient zero, speaking clearly to that, him admitting that he has this virus of sin in his soul and it needs fixing, it needs a vaccine, it needs a credible vaccine. We see this demonstrated and lived out on the cross where one person completely understands their need because of their sickness for a Savior and spiritual healing. And yet in that same moment, another one completely misses it. I implore you, brothers and sisters, look to your own heart and understand the failures, the disappointments around you are because of free choice. Let me just make this point real quickly and we'll go into vaccine. If my son were to rob a bank tomorrow and be arrested, Dylan, I think you're watching, so I'm not recommending anything. But let's say that he goes ahead and robs a bank. He's 25 years of age. The police would be justified in coming after me and arresting me and blaming me for said robbery. Is that correct? Is that how we think? Is that how we approach an injustice? Of course not. But wait, I, I'm the parent. And so it's a reflection on me. Now, we do have laws that if our children, when they're of young ages, commit crimes, there are penalties against the parents as well. But when that child has grown and they have the responsibility and the accountability for their own choices, it would be ludicrous to think that the justice system would come after me and blame me for what had happened. Are, are we together on that? And yet, when a tragedy happens in our lives, 
Because God has given man free will to make choices. Why is it we are so quick to blame God when it was our choice? It was our choice or other people's choices that bring about sin and death. Sin did not happen because of God. Sin is vanquished because of God. Amen? Let's, since we've established this idea that there is um, there's a sickness in our soul, let's look at what the patient zero says we can do about this. Turn back to Romans 5. Let's look at the testimony of patient zero, the inspiring testimony out of Romans 5, 18-21. And it says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men... So what Adam did, what Adam and Eve did, that sin started the chain events of sin for all mankind, is what patient zero is saying. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And so as sin entered into the world because of one man and that virus starts, the vaccine comes through one man, Jesus Christ, being in the very nature of God, giving Himself up as the vaccine, not doing a second-rate job, not trying to mask the virus, but to heal completely. Through that one man, Jesus Christ, we are healed. goes on to say, for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see the juxtaposition? Because of the virus of sin in our lives, there is only the promise of death. There is only the promise of death and suffering. But because of what we celebrate today and the credibility of the resurrection to Jesus' message of eternal life, He brings us life. The answer, the vaccine. Patient zero is very, very clear here. The key word here is free. What are we free from? Well, we're free from the effects of sin and death, patient zero tells us. And it's because he has experienced it. It's the idea of justification, the need to get it right. Right? We've heard this past week the arguments of hydrocorkwell kabushibidabirdabirdagirda. It's the Swedish version of of the I don't know how to say it. But if you took that hydro coca or whatever it is, and you only took that, but you didn't match it with what's called a Z-Pack, you're not going to get the same results. Now we have many people in the, in the medical uh, industry that are not advocating for this. They're not saying it doesn't work, but they're not advocating for it. Why? Because they want to make sure that it's 100% and there are no side effects to it. Now some people are desperate. They're saying, I don't care if I get a rash. I'm at the death's door, and so give me the treatment. But brothers and sisters, if we don't do the treatment correctly, there can be consequences. 
This is why Dr. Fauci and many other medical experts are not endorsing wholeheartedly this treatment, even though it's having success. How does this relate as a vaccine to our spiritual needs and our soul? Because I would contend that patient zero thought he was treating the sin in his heart. He was trying to do it through works. He was trying to do it through the observation of the law. He even describes himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That he held to the law to the best level that you possibly could. And yet, the law was not sufficient to heal the problem of sin. It only pointed out sin. Going and getting a, an x-ray or going to the doctor and getting examined isn't going to heal you from the coronavirus. It's just going to tell you you have it. That's what the law does. And so, when Paul experiences Jesus Christ and there is true healing, he realizes that that which he put all of his confidence in was minus the power of the resurrection. It was minus the power of the cross. And when he truly got to know who Jesus is, he truly understand how, understood how sick his soul was. And in that understanding, he realized that the true vaccine, the complete vaccine, the one that would completely heal him was through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, many of us have bought into this like we do gym memberships. And you're saying, how on earth does that apply? Well, you know many people who have gym memberships, but their body doesn't show the evidence of it. Right? You, you can say, oh, I signed up for the gym, and you can think all this is going to get fixed. All this is going to get fixed. But when you see somebody who has a gym membership that really utilizes it to fullest capacity, the evidence is there. You see, anybody can sign up for a gym membership. We do this with the Gospel. We do this with God. We do this with Jesus. We just say, hey, I'll sign up because it sounds good, it's convenient, but we never commit to it. So when it comes to the vaccine, my friends, we don't want to take a portion of the vaccine. We want the complete treatment. Yes or no? And so when we get that complete treatment, we see true healing. This is what patient zero, this is what Paul experienced. He was on his way up to Damascus and he stopped off at what I metaphorically refer to as the Damascus Free Clinic. Right? And he has his experience with Jesus personally. And we're going to see in a moment, actually, let, let's, let's do it now. Let's look at some clinical tests here out of John 20. Let's go back to the resurrection story. And let's look at Mary. So John, <clears throat> John 20, 11-18 is what I'm going to read. I have a portion of that up on the screen that I want you uh, to focus on. But I'm going to read a little bit more. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. I love that part of the video. God did it, man. Right? I'm not sure an angel said that, but I like that version. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing but she did not know that it was Jesus. Again, misunderstanding Jesus. 
Not to Mary's fault. Right? Not to Mary's fault. She is weeping. She misunderstands. She's not paying attention to what Jesus said was going to happen. Just like John. Just like Peter. But here comes the vaccine to heal her weeping. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. How many of us have had Jesus right in front of us, but we never knew it? We never knew it. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Now, this is really odd, right? Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus sees everything, and yet He asks, it's a rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question that assumes the answer, Mary, if you had understood Me, if you had understood what I said, you should have known I wasn't going to remain in this tomb. So why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? That's in between the lines. It says, whom are you seeking? Supposing Him to be the gardener, she said to Him, Sir, if you have carried Him away, tell me where you have laid Him, and I will take Him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. He calls her by name. She turned and said to Him in Aramaic, Rabboni! Which means teacher. It was her affectionate way of giving Him the, the insurmountable authority over her life, a recognition of how she had related to Him. Jesus was back. Rabboni! Jesus said to her, Do not cling to Me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Mary had to hear Jesus say her name for the vaccine to take effect. She had to go through the completeness. The same thing with patient zero. Many probably had tried to share with Paul or Saul at that time, and Jesus had to come and say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute Me? And Saul's very words are hauntingly reminiscent of what Mary says here. He says, who are you, Lord? Well, when the vaccine took effect on Saul, it was life-changing. It was life-saving. It was transformative. For us this morning, don't we want a vaccine that's going to work? Don't we want a vaccine that's going to completely heal us? So Paul goes to the Damascus Free Clinic and he starts to understand where his salvation is. And he, start, he refers back to this again in his victorious statements. In his victory speech out of Romans. Right? And look at Romans 10.9. This is his assessment. After going through understanding the virus of sin in his heart, then he goes through the vaccine of Jesus calling him by name and reaching out to him and him accepting Christ for who he is fully without limitation. He says, this is how it happened. Wouldn't it be horrific if somebody knew the virus fix? If somebody came up with the vaccine and then they withheld it from the world? Patient zero here, Paul refuses to do that. So get ready because he tells us now how it is we can be healed. This virus of sin in our life and our soul can be healed. And this is what he says. Romans 10.9 Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, 
you will be saved. It's the cross that was meant to kill became His victory. I knew this personally at one point in time. I thought I had it all figured out just like Paul. I thought I had it all figured out just like many of us. That we, we're, we're just going to push through this virus. We're going to handle it. We don't need a vaccine. We're strong and yet the virus of sin has one result. And that is death. Because of His resurrection, because of the credibility of His resurrection, and because of His death on the cross, we have this freedom. And we're getting to His victory speech here in a minute. But let me just share with you how in real life I can kind of equate this. And then we'll wrap up. When I was a younger man, um, and, and here I am going to go to the confessional booth in front of whoever watches this, uh, I may have not come to a complete stop in my car back in uh, 1990 while delivering pizzas. And so as uh, I encountered an individual that wanted to debate that question with me, uh, they happened to be wearing a uniform and they had a nice pad of paper with them. And so they summarily wrote me out a nice thank you card that required me to go visit them later on. And uh, the, the idea was that, that I would suffer penalty because in their assessment, I made a bad choice. Now I can disagree with this individual all I want, much like we may want to disagree with God and the idea that we have a spiritual sickness. It doesn't matter. There is one person that matters. And that when I have the right understanding, right? When this is facing the right way, I might have done a little bit better job of surviving this situation. You see, I went to court and I was dating my, my wife, then my girlfriend, and I invited her on uh, the tour, the victory tour, as, as I was looking forward to demonstrating my innocence before the court and I would go free. And so I pleaded my case and the judge said, guilty, $432 fine. I was so convinced of my innocence, I, had I didn't even bring my checkbook. This was before debit cards. I had nothing on me. Zilch, because I was so convinced. Didn't matter. I had to pay, and I had to pay then to the judge. Didn't matter what my opinion was. Because the judge evoked the just call. I didn't have a way to pay. I was going to jail over a failed stop on a pizza delivery. Probably wasn't that bad, but it sure felt that way. And who stepped up? You know, it was in moments like that that I found out what I was financially worth. And so, my, my then-girlfriend, who happened to have a checkbook on her, stepped up in my place at the clerk's window and wrote a check for me. And from that point forward, I knew that was the woman I would marry. I still think I owe her, or she still thinks I owe her $432. Brothers and sisters, I walked out of that courtroom feeling like I had victory. I didn't go to jail. I didn't suffer the ultimate penalty, but someone had to stand in my place. This is the message of Christ. 
And he only is verified, he is only worth his message if he raised from the dead. Otherwise, he would be a lunatic or a liar. Let's listen in closing to the victory speech. Turn to 1 Corinthians. Let's move out of Romans. 1 Corinthians 15. So how does a person become free from this virus? Ultimately, a vaccine. How does a soul become free from sin and death? Ultimately, a Savior who is risen. How do we know the vaccine is victorious? Because it saved even the most infected of individuals and truly changed their life as evidenced by patient zero, Paul. A completely changed life. Do you see God for who He truly is or do you choose to see Him through the wrong end of the spyglass today? You know, we had an incredible testimony last week by a young man that's part of our church family. His name is Omar. And he had grown up Muslim. And through a process of somebody reaching out and sharing this message to him, it prompted him to look and to seek and to dive deeper into who is Jesus truly. And the faith came, but the faith was matched with a sense of realism, with a sense of rational thought. And it was through that process that Omar decided that Jesus was the real deal. Right? Because God did it, man. Right? It was just an incredible opportunity to hear how this individual moved from having a virus of sin into the freedom because of the vaccine of Jesus and giving Him freedom in His life. It's not so much the evidence of Jesus at first, right, the Damascus Road, as it is realizing our need for a vaccine. Is your soul in need of a vaccine? Or, which cross are you on? Patient zero is evidence of complete healing. The cross and the empty tomb gave patient zero the ability to rise from the ashes of sin and death. The same is there for you and I. Will we accept the proven treatment? Is Jesus calling your name today? I encourage you, don't settle for a mask. Don't settle for your own strength. Look to the proven vaccine of Jesus Christ. Let me read this to you and you'll hear and you can see on the screen the magnitude of what Paul says is the victory through the vaccine over the virus. Verses 50 through 57 is where I'm going to read. He says this I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, it's a funny thing about a pandemic. It reveals what you value the most. Turn it around today and have that incredible victory patient zero had. Life-changing, life-giving, death-defying victory. Make sure that you are healed today. I have a response number. We're calling it the vaccine hotline. It has nothing to do with corona. I know nothing about a vaccine for corona, so I just want to be very clear. All right? This is a vaccine for the metaphor of the spiritual virus that we have. It's how do I, how do I look at the healing that needs to take place? How do I flip this to this so I can truly understand God? If you want prayer, if you want counsel, if you want encouragement, if you want Christ, I encourage you text that number at the end of our service. And we, there may be many who watch this service after the fact. You may watch it a week later. You can always text that number and there will be somebody there to counsel you. Let me close in prayer today and I'll invite the worship team up for our closing song. God bless you today as we are dealing with a very unique time and a very unique circumstance. And my prayer today is that we understand how there is a soul sickness inside of us that is magnified through what we're going through as a society. Don't just attempt to heal the physiological problems of what it means to be symptomatic or asymptomatic with this virus. Heal the soul. Fix the soul because a vaccine's been given. Pursue the vaccine. Don't just try to mask it. Let me pray. Father, thank You for the glorious opportunity to hear Your Word and to know that all of this is true. That all of it has proven itself through the resurrection of Christ. And to look at a changed life like Paul gives testimony to the fact that that is available to all of us. I pray this morning that we would not relent in pursuing the vaccine, the healing that comes through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.